Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop DLMSupplyCo.com and enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's DLMSupplyCo.com. Welcome back to another super awesome mix. My name is Matt Sidholm alongside my co-host and co-founder Samer Abusalbi. Samer, how are we doing this week? Really well. Thank you for asking. Uh, how about yourself, Matt? I never ask you how you're doing. You don't. You don't. It's a one-way street. I'm only concerned <laughs> with your well-being. Um, but I'm doing great as well and we have another great guest on the podcast this week. Yes, we do. This is actually a pretty cool story. I'll tell you real quick how um, we got this guest. His name is Tony Smith. Um, he's actually was the lead guitarist and vocalist for a band called Sleeper Agent, which I had seen live something about like 10 years ago. They were touring with Ben Queller. Amazing concert. Um, I fell in love with the music back then. And we connected on Instagram. And I just thought this is so cool because like I, you know, got to see this band live. And here is the, the guitarist from that band. So we got to talking and um, and he agreed to be a guest on our show and make us an amazing mix. So, Tony, so nice to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Tell us. Um, so, yeah, tell us about your mix. Uh, yeah, let me just get into the mix. Okay. Um, yeah, it's pretty much just like uh, kind of like my life in song, sort of. You know, like um, I, there's some publications that run that with different artists. I think Pitchfork does one. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so, like, I thought about, like... Um, I don't know, it was really tough because 12 songs is a challenge for 34 years, you know? But, um, <laughs> right, yes. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I just try to, like, capture the spirit of every, of every period of my life, you know, like childhood, um, early elementary school, high school, college, then adulthood, you know, <laughs> which is a much longer period than the rest of them. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. I, um, yeah, I gotta say you had a much cooler, I think, music upbringing than I did. Um, oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how cool it was. Cause I mean, like it is interesting because from my mom's side of things, it was very like 70s singer songwriter, like mm -hmm. a lot of Carpenters and, um, Jim Croce was on the mix. And then, mm -hmm. um, John Denver was another big one, uh, more on the like Christian side, Amy Grant, um, just like. I don't know, like is much like Helen Reddy was another big one. Listen to all the time. Oh, Christopher Cross, that was every Saturday. Um, oh yeah, she, she would get up first thing in the morning and put on "Ride Like the Wind," and I knew it was time to clean the house. It was just like this. <laughs> it was like a Saturday like ritual. A yeah, just I tell you what, response for yeah. a guy best known as Yacht Rock. I mean, he's got one of the greatest pump up songs of all time with "Ride oh, Like yeah, the for Wind." Sure. I totally yeah. agree. Uh, yeah, but she would open the windows and crank that song on like this tacky blue turntable we had. And uh, people talk about growing up, how they got to sleep in on the weekends. And I never did. It was um, that song came on at like seven in the morning and it was time to get up and clean the house. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, amazing. Yeah. I'm going to try that with my kids. <laughs> I can't wait. But I'll tell you what, it helped out in life because like, my house is like spotless all the time. It's just like <laughs> so, so ingrained I, in me. <laughs> 
before yeah, I've got to ask like, before we get into, into your mix if you hear that song just suddenly you know if you're like at a bar do you just suddenly feel like you need to start cleaning up <laughs> no but it's it's like definitely triggering I don't, I don't listen to that song anymore uh, like you know every once in a while I'll throw on like sailing because it's kind of like calm um, right 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 <laughs> but um uh, yeah I don't you know I don't know probably not probably wouldn't listen to it now <laughs> That's great. It'd be interesting if you had this like Pavlovian response to that song. Uh, you know, I bet I do. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> but it's been years. So, but then from my dad's side, we had like, um, well, his favorite band growing up was Kiss, and um, he actually kind of had a um, when he met my mom, they kind of converted to um, Catholicism, and so mm-hmm. he actually ended up getting rid of his like sold or just donated his entire record collection because I guess like he really wanted to go. Um, deep in the paint, as they call it, with Catholicism. Right, right. So he got rid of all of his uh, all of his secular records. And as I was a kid, he kind of like regretted that and started rebuilding a collection. But when he did that, he kind of got more into cassettes, which were big at the time. And so he mm-hmm. had like a lot of Rush and Foreigner and Journey. And I don't know, he's kind of an 80s kid, so like or 80s, 20 something. So that was his big right, thing. Right. Was like the um, I don't know, like more the more kind of like commercial. Um, yeah, heavy rock bands and Rush was his probably his favorite. So I grew up listening to Rush, and I thought it was like the coolest band in the world because I didn't understand it. Well, that's a pretty good favorite to have if you're going to have a favorite growing up. I think that's that's a strong one. Um, yeah. But let's get into your mix here. Yeah, I mean, speaking of strong ones, you start off with just an absolute classic. I want yeah. you back by the Jackson Five. So what what mm-hmm. kicks what what made you kick kick us off with this one? Well, that is like probably my all-time favorite song. Um, I just think it's a perfect song in every way. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, and um, like, still to this day, it's just like, I'm like, oh, that's the perfect pop song. And uh, I tried it at karaoke once, and it was such a bad idea. Like, <laughs> my my range is all right, but it's not like Young Michael's range. But, yeah, that's uh, my, a bold choice yeah. for karaoke. <laughs> that is, golly. But uh, yeah, I got worn out like halfway through. I'm like, all right, never mind. <laughs> But uh, so I pretty much like chose that because Michael Jackson was my first love as a kid. So when I when I was growing up, you know, like all kind of I'll separate the artist from his later years. But um, sure. like <laughs> when I was a kid, like uh, Dangerous had this huge album rolled out, and man, mm-hmm. like I I cut up my gloves. I would try to moonwalk. I just thought like Michael Jackson was the coolest guy. And my mom ended up showing me Jackson five and like, that was like, even better. Cause I was like, Oh, he's like my age, you know? And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like just, I want you back. is like the perfect song. It's it. And it's, it's just, just kind of amazing that it's just like one of the most enduring pop songs ever. Right. Like it's released in 1969 and here we are over 50 years later. And I think you, you could play it to almost anyone. They're going to recognize it. They're going to know. Like, at the very least, it's a Jackson 5 song. You know, they might not even get the title, but, like, just amazing that that song's still playing and still has the power that it does. I agree. It's just one of the most perfect songs ever. Yeah, and that bass line, you know, it's just amazing. And even even my kid, you know, my kids are, you know, eight and four, and they're both, you know, I could play this for them, and they get into it. You know, they don't really understand the Jackson 5 or who Michael Jackson is, but, you know, this song gets them on their feet. You know, they're, they're into oh, it, yeah. so it's it's timeless. So then we move on to um, just another great song. Uh, again, these are all great. I'm, I'm just going to like gush over every entry here. But <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> um, we fast forward a little bit in time, 1973, and we've got Bad, Bad Le- Leroy Brown by Jim Croce. Tell us about this one. 
Uh, yeah, so we had the, oh, we actually had a few different versions, but Jim Croce, I think he passed away in a plane crash. Like, um, so he mm-hmm. didn't have like a lot of records, but we did have like his collections, like photographs and memories and the best of Jim Croce. And I just thought that his music was like, it was kind of appealed to me because it was like storytelling almost. Um, so Bad Bad Leroy Brown is pretty much a story about like kind of a greaser, uh, you know, who was like the this badass guy and uh at the end of the song he gets his come up and scene <laughs> so right. uh, you know he gets the you know shit beat out of him <laughs> so right but, yes. like, uh, but like um yeah so how do i pre- like i was trying to personify jim croce in one song because there were so many that i could have chosen i've actually got a jim croce tattoo on my arm uh, from wow. another song uh from another song called um rapid roy that stock car boy and pretty much the song at one point, it says, like, he's got a tattoo on his arm that says, baby, another one that just say, hey. So I've got a hey tattoo in my arm. And, like, <laughs> so I, I was like, I love well, that I guess Jim, so much. <laughs> so I guess Jim Croce, like, did have some major impact on me that I kind of, like, had to, like, address in this. I think you might be our first guest that has a, uh, a tattoo that matches a song in their mix. That's awesome. That's a well, great now we achievement. Well, we, did, we haven't asked every guest. Oh, fair. So, That's fair. You know. Yes. <laughs> I guess we can go back maybe. But yeah, for now, we're the only confirmed. That's the only confirmed occurrence. Um, I also love this song because like a year prior, he had come out with You Don't Mess Around With Jim, which is almost the same song. <laughs> Oh yeah, right. <laughs> About a, a real badass guy who kind of gets his comeuppance at the end, mm-hmm. and uh, they both—it's it, like he—he he got to like I read up, he got to like number eight on the charts with "You Don't Mess Around with Jim," and then I feel like he went back in the lab and was like, "All right, let's rework this," and he hit number one with "Bad Bad Leroy Brown." So yeah, it's it's kind of like um like the Man with No Name trilogy. There's only two. What was the first one? Like a fistful of dollars, then like for a few dollars. Right, more. right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, okay, so you mentioned Rush earlier, and here's their appearance on the mix. You pick Working Man, which, you know, is an amazing song. Uh, was rated one of the greatest guitar solos of all time by Guitar World magazine. But uh, I also thought, I mean, I didn't realize this was off their debut album. So yeah. just right out the gate, here's Working Man. Um, but talk about why you picked this Rush song. I, I feel like the first album is kind of like um, overlooked because Neil Peart's not on it. And mm-hmm. I think I almost prefer the first album because it's a little more workman, you know, no pun intended, but it's like, you know, less <laughs> about like, you know, walking trees and like spirituality. And it's more just about kind of like living in Canada <laughs> so, um, and working man to me has this really badass kind of almost T-Rex opening riff. Um, so I just think it's, you know, for my money, a, a, a song that you can just throw on. Instead of being like, all right, we're gonna listen, we're gonna lay down, listen to twenty one twelve, you know, <laughs> trying to like right. figure out the patterns. <laughs> so it was either like Working Man or Fly by Night, and I think Fly by Night to me is just a really like good pop song. But I was like, probably Working Man is like where it all started for me, um, you know. But the, you know, there's so many like Tom Sawyer and Limelight, uh, but yeah, I think Working Man just kind of like is such a great introduction to like this is Rush. Minus yes. the <laughs> hippy dippy. It stuff really is and... just. It's a great Rush song. I agree, um, and it's amazing that it got radio time at seven minutes. You know, like I, I think, that, I feel like this was kind of the beginning of of like much longer songs. You know, it's starting to be played on the radio. Um, yeah, and it was O2. It was kind of interesting. It was O2. This uh, this woman, this DJ Donna Halper, who apparently 
got introduced to them, put it on the radio, and then everyone in Cleveland just started wanting more of it. So you know, she was a, a disc jockey in Cleveland. Um, and it's great because I think like the lyrics just apparently just resonated with people and, and they're really simple lyrics, right? Like yeah. <laughs> literally it's just kind of repeating about how you wake up at seven, go to work at nine and you work all the time. And, it, and so that's why they call me the working man. And it's just like that. It's so, it's so basic, but it's so universal as a result. And I just think combine that with like an epic, you know, guitar solo plus three minute instrumental break. And you're just like, you've got rush. Like that's <laughs> rush, <laughs> rush in a song. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, 2010, I think it was, um, me and my dad went went to we came to Nashville to go to this theater that's kind of popular here called the Bell Court, and they should kind of show indie movies or more, um, I don't know, special interest stuff. And we we came to see uh, on the Beyond the Lighted Stage, which was a Rush documentary, and it was the most surreal experience because it was just dads and sons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so we're waiting in line. I'm looking around. I'm like, oh man, like everybody had the same experience. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's so, so great. Yeah. It's a pretty clear demographic there, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for they sure. started playing like, Cats in the Cradle before the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just really uh, resonated with everyone. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you what, there was uh, like dry eyes, dry eye in the house when, like, it talked about Neil Peart's, like, um, kind of the, the tragedy he went through. Every, like, there was a bunch of, like, grown men crying around me. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so many feels. <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. Um, all right, so we take we take a kind of a big leap in years uh, to 1997 to um, actually Matt, one of Matt's like favorite bands I've learned. Um, really, really <laughs> underrated, I agree. But we've got Mbop by Hanson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell us about this one. Okay, so Hanson was the first band I kind of found on my own, if, if a 10-year-old could find a band on their own. Sure. But um, it kind of like to me resonated immediately. And I've got a kind of interesting story around this song is that... I, I had some kind of like summer flu and my dad had it too. And so like for a week in the summer, we just kind of like both laid in our underwear sweating in the countryside. <laughs> and so, and this was at a time in the nineties when like literally when they didn't have other programming on VH1 and MTV, they would just play like videos nonstop. And it was kind of like, right. Almost like a pop radio playlist where it was like 15 videos over and over and over again. And uh, like, Looking back, Paranoid Android was a, another one around the same time that played a bunch, which it seems like looking back, it's like, that was kind of weird. But like, um, <laughs> but so like I was flipping through the channels and I, I saw what I thought was Melissa Joan Hart, Clarissa and Sabrina from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it turned out to be Taylor Hansen singing this song called Oombop. <laughs> <laughs> and so I stopped immediately and just like watched it. And I was like, this is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And I saw that the drummer was like, he looked about my age and it kind of like, I was like, oh, you can be a kid and do this. And that's kind of like what <laughs> jump started me into like wanting a guitar and trying to write music. And I think, you know, for a good, maybe even 10, 15 years, it was so uncool to like Hanson. So it was kind of like a secret, like a secret of mine. <laughs> so, yes. Because prior to that, like literally the only cassettes I owned that were my own were like, Michael Jackson's dangerous and like a shit ton of Weird Al. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so like, like I literally thought that uh, like Give It Away was actually Yabba Dabba Do Now. And like yeah. so all these popular alternative artists, I had like the Weird Al version. <laughs> and you kept going, hey, they ripped off Weird Al every yeah, time you turned on the, the radio. Time I heard Chili Peppers Give It Away. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's that Yabba Dabba Do song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
That is great. This I can't believe actually we haven't had a Weird Al song entry yet. You know, that's I considered he's, it. He's but... one of the greatest <laughs> musicians of all time. Yeah, I have to that's say. Com- that's got to come up at some point. Yeah, it has to. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, Hanson, we mentioned them uh, as kind of a one-hit wonder a a few episodes back and talked about their second single off this album, Where's the Love? And I I think that song was really good. But, you know, the one thing I said at that time is these guys can really play their instruments. Oh, yeah. Like, even at that age, but but especially now, if you you hear them, you know, interviewed and they still play music, like, they're really good musicians. Yeah. Um, I think that's what was so important to me, because, like, I saw people my age doing it, and... um, but yeah, to me, they weren't a one-hit wonder at all. <laughs> like, yeah, like where is the love? <laughs> That's what I was told. Yeah, I, That's what I was told. Yeah, when I brought it up, everyone was like, "Now, if you were of a certain age, you know, I, I think I'm a little older than you are." But yeah, for me, in, in I was in college at the time, and uh, yeah, to me, it was like I just kind of knew him as this one-hit wonder. But yeah, I talked to younger people who were like, "Oh no, I, I know a lot of Hanson's music. Like they can go deep on it." So yeah, uh, I mean, I even corrected. even as kind of late as 2005, they had a song called "Penny and Me," which was equally infectious and um, it was really good. So if you haven't heard that one, go check it out. Okay, going on to track five. Now uh, we mentioned you toured with this guy uh, at one point in time. Um, I love this song, uh, "Wasted and Ready" by Ben Queller, Texas's own Ben Queller. Um, so talk about why you picked this Ben Queller song. All right. Another another story. I wasn't sick this time, but I was up at 3 a.m., <laughs> you know, as teenagers do, just for no reason. Sure. And uh, I saw this, you know, scrappy dude playing on a, like, climbing a large strawberry. And I was like, all right, cool. What is this? And it was Ben Queller, Wasted and Ready. And immediately I was like, I need that in my life. It's so cool. Like, um, like the lyrics are kind of nonsense. And it's just like this mm-hmm. yeah. anthem that kind of goes with the, you know, I love rock and roll and, you know, the three core, like we just, uh, teenage dirtbag, just that kind of generic three core progression. But it was so badass. And like, this was back in the day where you pretty much had to go to Best Buy to like hear more. And so, right, right yes. um, and that was one of those albums I totally blind bought and just like listened to religiously uh, pretty much the next two years until his second album came out. Um, I don't, I, the reason why I put it on there is because it was like what shifted away me like from new metal, <laughs> which I was really into until I was about 14. And so this is like my, I was 15 and I heard that and that's what kind of started my rock renaissance i was like oh wow so you can get cooler than you know fred durst and jonathan davis and (laughs) (laughs) like i think lincoln park and was a big one at the time for me and um i think the the only cool new metal band i was into and still to this day is deftones so they kind of like survived Mm. that but everybody else got put to the side Mm -hmm. when i found uh kind of the more indie rock thing yeah ben quiller is just amazing um great performing artist who just like to see live um it was it was so much fun. It was at the uh, at the Granada Theater. Is whenever I saw him and you guys perform, um, it was a great show, yeah, all around great show, start to finish. And that was a trip for me because uh, you know it just wasn't that album and that song. It was like you know I bought on my way and I bought the self title and then you know I got changing horses and literally saw him six times on my own just throughout my life. And then we got the offer to open up for him. And I was like, fuck yes, yes, let's do that. And the first time, (laughs) uh, you know, to me, he was a superstar. But (laughs) so, Mm -hmm. so, but the first time, like, um, I watched him sound check, I almost had this, like, weird, 
like depersonalization feeling. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm side stage watching Ben <laughs> Queller's sound check, you know, like uh, yeah. sound check Lizzie, which is like one of his big ballads to his wife. And I was like, mm-hmm. how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> you know, 3 a.m. watching MTV to here I am watching him side stage. And like That's incredible. we developed a really good friendship and I still, you know, I'll text him every once in a while, you know, which is super bizarre to me. But I, yeah, part of me feels like I willed it into existence somehow. <laughs> All right, let's move on to um, track six, uh, Debaser by the Pixies, which has like a really disturbing backstory to it, actually, whenever I, I read about this. Um, but it's a great Pixie song. I had actually not heard this particular song by them. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's classic Pixie sound. So, so tell us about this track in particular. Okay, so there was this period in time where I was convinced I was going to be a filmmaker, which doesn't make any sense if you're a teenager in Bowling Green, Kentucky, like literally with no money. Is, um, is that not a hub for filmmaking? No, no, it's not even a hub for film watching really. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I think I remember like being like 15, 16 and being like, I don't even want a car. I want a digital camera. Like, you know, who cares about cars and girls and all this mm-hmm. thing? Like, I want to be a filmmaker. And so, like, my entry point was kind of, uh, like, you know, Kevin Smith, of course, and all that stuff like that. But, yeah, eventually we got around to Fight Club, and we heard um, the end song, which was Where's My Mind and My Best Friend. Yes. Um, he bought Surfer Rosa, and I thought it was okay. I was like, all right, you know, it's fine. It's kind of scrappy. It's whatever. And I liked more of the pop side of it, like Gigantic and less of the abrasive stuff and i think i just had some extra money from working at a movie theater and uh was in best buy which by the way best buy uh was pretty much where you went and bought cds in bowling green you know we had a couple other mm-hmm. like stores but they were really expensive and best buy you get one for like 12 to 15 bucks instead of 25 anyway <clears throat> but um so i bought Doolittle, had no idea what was on it and that was the first song that came on and I'm immediately, I was like mind blown. I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Like, and that kind of set me on a journey for like the next five years, kind of trying to find more music like that and get that same, like, it was like, it was like somebody shot adrenaline into my heart. I didn't know what he was talking about, but just the fact he was screaming <laughs> under like mm-hmm. these amazing pop hooks, that was just like, it def- like, it was a huge pivot. It's me as a person. Like, I was like, who cares about filmmaking? I want to be a musician now. <laughs> like, like I want to scream like that guy. I love the sound of this song. But, what, yeah, when I got into the lyrics, you know, to Samer's point, like the background of it and the actual lyrics, it's, it's really kind of weird. But, but, yeah, just the sound of it definitely takes you to a place. Yeah, and to me, like, the lyrics are mostly nonsense. You know, like, I know he's mainly just mm-hmm. talking about that Salvador Dali movie. And right. I don't know if there's anything more to it than that. I just feel like he's just kind of describing the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> right. he's like, you know, yeah, and the movie sounds really weird right. and it's not on Netflix. So I, I didn't get I a chance to on, watch you it. You can watch anything. portions of it on YouTube. And it's like, okay, it's not as weird as you think it is. Like, you know, there's the line slicing in my eyeballs. And it is just right. this woman who's like staring, look at the camera. And then this guy comes up behind her with a razor blade and like it cuts to like a close up of a cow head. But you're not supposed to know it's a cow head. And he just like slices mm-hmm. the eyeball out, and like yeah, Ugh. that sounds weird. But you watch and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, our family movie night is Friday, so I'll throw that out yeah. there. Yeah, see, they're gonna love that. See Super what the girls. kids yeah. think. Yeah, yeah and I, it's either gonna be that or High School Musical again. Oh no, so. it's a coin toss. <laughs> <laughs> it's a coin toss. <laughs> so that movie has uh, persisted. 
past generations. It, it has all three, all three. We've watched them multiple times. So, Can I make a yeah. side note about High School Musical three? Is that yeah. I worked at the go, movie theater for when that movie came out, and it bugged me to no end that there was only three of them, and that one was called Senior Year. I was like, man, yeah, they should have no made four. <laughs> that is true. That's a missed opportunity and also very confusing. <laughs> well, but now, and, and this is, I know way too much about these movies. The second one is all about just their summer job. It it's mm, just mm-hmm. focuses on the summer. So that's not even, you know, part of their, their official high school year. But um, anyway, yeah, <laughs> look, I could go, we could do a good 45 minutes on, on the three high school musicals. Um, I've got a lot of issues with those movies, but we, we've got to move on. We're going to focus on the mix. <laughs> um, number seven here, you get into uh, Trailer Trash by Modest Mouse. Yes. Now, this came out about the same time as Hanson. Now, did you discover them at the same time, or was this? I'm guessing this was much later on Def- that you discovered. Definitely this not. Song. I was introduced to, to Modest Mouse, but I feel like you know, 90 percent of the population was through Float On, and mm-hmm. very similar to the Pixies. It was like, what is this? You know, it was like, um, it was just incredible. And me and my friends all just kind of like gravitated towards this new band quote unquote and like um then we immediately went backwards and we're like oh well dude that good news stuff is not even good (laughs) it's like so uh (laughs) and the way we kind of did it as buddies in high school was that not everybody we couldn't buy the whole discography ourselves so we would just get like everybody would get one cd from the band and if you were lucky you got the good one or the one you could listen to over and over again and not like, you know, maybe one of Modest Mouse's deep catalog EPs that wasn't very good or something. But, and then we would kind of like burn them and trade them or just listen to it in somebody's car when they were driving us around. But like, so I got Lonesome Cry to West and that to me was immediately just like set my brain on fire. I think it opens up with like, um, damn, Teeth Like God Shoe Shine, which is this like, riff and then it's just screaming <laughs> it's just like, and uh so i was kind of at this point in my life my senior year of high school where i was working two jobs like one at taco bell and then another one at the movie theater and i felt like all i was doing was working and going to school and i was kind of depressed i didn't realize it at the time but that song trailer trash it was kind of like a mantra for me like um you know the passage of time and um there's a, I don't know, it's was, it was a toss-up between Taylor Trash and Bankrupt on Selling, because in Bankrupt on Selling, he says something like, so I'll go to college, and I'll learn some big words, and I'll talk real loud, and goddamn right I'll be heard. You'll remember the guy who said all those big words he must have learned in college. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to go to college. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, right now my mind's kind of blanking. There's a just as important lyric in Trailer Trash, um, well, he has the, I hope I can pass high school. Yes. So that was equally important. But I think at the time also, I was kind of like disillusioned about, um, you know, maybe like marriage and kind of the mm-hmm. basic life. And I was kind of rebellious. And I was like, you know, I just kind of want to be a rock star. And, um, and so I think that just really, you know, resonated with me. Like, you know, short love and a long divorce, a couple of kids, of course, they don't mean anything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Just it was kind of this realistic song okay. and like, you know. Being from a small town in Kentucky, I didn't feel like trailer trash, but I did feel less than because, you know, we, we were in the South and we're, we aren't known for being a cultural mecca of the arts or anything. And I really mm-hmm. wanted to be where, you know, 
the arts and music were. I wanted to be a cool kid, and but I felt like I couldn't be because I was, in you know, bum, fuck nowhere. <laughs> so like, but you know, looking back, we really weren't that small. We have this like amazing university with twenty thousand students in it. <laughs> Just kind of like, but to me at the time, it felt like, it felt like you know the smallest place in the world, um, especially Nashville was down the street, you know, and yeah, yeah. But a funny little bit about this song is there's this line that uh, he says, it's been a long time, which agrees with this watch of mine. But I had the like misheard lyric for years. I thought it was, and it's been a long time, would you grease up this watch of mine? Which, which made total sense to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, because the cogs have stopped. You got to grease them up to keep it going. <laughs> Oh my god! You, you know way too me... much about watchmaking. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> it just occurred to me that we have to do like a mix of just like lyrics where it's commonly misheard, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And because yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of songs out there. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I I thought for the longest time U two song. Um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the title, but all about like seeing the world, you know, see China in front of you, and I'm blanking. Beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was all about a woman. I thought he was saying she turns right around in front of you or something. It was the longest time. And I looked at the lyrics. I was like, oh, oh, I feel sheepish now. (laughs) It's completely changed the meaning of this song in my head. (laughs) I have a recent one. A good buddy of mine, uh, that song Radioactive by Imagine Dragons, that was huge a few years Mm -hmm. ago. He had no idea it was called Radioactive. He thought it was saying ready ready to rock you or ready, ready for action. So like ready for action. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I was like, are, are you kidding me? It's radioactive. <laughs> it's in the title. He's like, no, it's ready for action. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> well, awesome. and they say it about 30 times. Right. So you think right. at one point it would be like, maybe it's something else. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to track number eight, um, Hummingbird by Wilco. And I got to say, I love the opening line to this song. Um, his goal in life was to be an echo. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm just immediately hooked after hearing me that. Me too. Yeah. On... Um, uh, so um, here's going to be your daily double for new things is I actually have a hummingbird tattoo as well. <laughs> so like, nice. Um, wow. I feel like to me, awesome. this song kind of hit me at a weird point in college uh, where I kind of almost like uh, resigned to being an echo, you know, <laughs> just kind of accepted the fact that maybe I was mm-hmm. just going to be, a, uh, you know, somebody not special. And I think this song kind of helped me like, be okay with that uh, like you know remember to remember me floating you know standing still in your past floating fast like a hummingbird i think the song is actually about you know a man who's in love with somebody that he can't have and so he just kind of climbs the tallest mountain and decides to die alone which is like incredibly sad but at the same time yeah the song is so beautiful that you kind of get lost in like you know the majesty of it like you know it has a kazoo solo in it which is incredible <laughs> so but like you know more songs need those exactly I think. <laughs> and like it's like probably the first time you hear a kazoo and go like oh that works yes <laughs> like, but you know the piano is so happy and it's like one of those like you know like group love their album was called never trust a happy song and like this song is like one of those like oh this isn't happy at all it's a very very sad song and um yeah, I don't know. To this day, like, it just kind of, like, almost takes me away to a different place. And I feel like that's why I wanted on my body forever. Because, like, also, it's a reminder to be humble, you know, and don't, you know, don't act like you're the shit. <laughs> so. No, I think this song, it, it's really interesting, I think, musically, because it does kind of 
sort of pick up. It has some kind of happy, some happy beats along the way, but but you're right, lyrically, it, it is kind of like, oh, this is somewhat of a sad story. But yeah, in the end, I think the music kind of picks it back up and, and, and makes you, like you said, makes you feel okay. Yeah, and so, it's, it's yeah. such a bright spot on a very, very dark album. You know, the whole album, which Jeff Tweedy was dealing with a pill addiction and rehab at the time, um, the whole album is kind of like one gigantic panic attack. And it's, you know, unsettling and it's slow and you have to really, like, put time into it. And if you guys remember, they just came off Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, which is considered one of the greatest albums of all time. And it's just like banger mm-hmm. after banger after banger. It's just like, oh, my God, this is like this is amazing. And you put on A Ghost is Born and it's this slow burn of just like, what? And I hated the album for years <laughs> until, like... Um, I listened, you know, in college, listened to it again. I was like, oh, no, no, this is their best album to me now, just because for that same reason. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I, I talk about Bruce Springsteen a lot on this podcast, but, you know, Born in the USA was such a massive hit. And then he followed that up with the Tunnel of Love album. And it was just such a drastic departure from what Born in the USA was that initially... It hit number one because people were just so much, you know, there was so much anticipation around it. But then, you know, it was actually kind of, people weren't as big of fans of it. But then looking back, it's actually a really good and, and complete album from beginning to end. So, yeah, similar situation. It's it's hard to follow up that, that big, massive album, I think, for bands. Yeah, I think sometimes it's best not to, you know, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, Tunnel of Love. Yeah, just go in a different direction, right? Yeah. Is that the one where he's like wearing a white suit in front of a white car? That's right. Okay, yeah, cool. that's the album cover. So my dad's. Yeah, a, my but the, but the album it's interesting because like beginning to end it's sort of like the start and middle and end of a relationship oh. if you listen to it all the way through. Nice. Yeah. But it's totally different than Born in the USA. Okay, that was um, one of those but, albums that my dad had and I always looked at but never listened to because <laughs> I remember the album cover. Maybe I have yeah. to go check it out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, all right. So track number nine, uh, we get into Lust for Life by girls and um you know when i heard this i felt like the lead singer it almost sounded like he was doing an impression of elvis costello like this the sound of his voice was so so similar to that i felt but a little different um but but a really cool song yeah uh and what's funny is that uh he never really uses that voice ever again on any of the other songs so maybe you're right Hmm. um it's kind of like i feel like he's almost making fun of himself because he's being mm-hmm. so whiny and, uh, you know, longing and just kind of being, uh, I don't know, just kind of asking for, at the same time, it's too much and not enough, you know, like, uh, you know, because he goes from wanting a you know, boyfriend to a father to all this different stuff, you know, a beach house, and then he just kind of wants a pizza and a bottle of wine, which is doable. You know, like that is very doable. Um, I had one literally Sunday night. I can tell yeah. you it's great. You know, I actually tried that combo. <laughs> after falling in love with this band and that song and i just couldn't do pizza and wine together i'm like no nah, it's not working for me <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but um so yeah i found this song i don't remember how but i saw the video first and it was just this slice of like life snapshot of like a bunch of 20 somethings living in san francisco and so they're just shooting all of their friends on a film camera just taking baths and running around and just you know lip singing the lyrics and it looked like like i need to be there i want to go do that i don't know what they're doing but i want to do that <laughs> like um and it was the right time i think it was like 22 when i heard it or 23 mm-hmm. 
And I was at the end of my, I was a senior in college and that band just did something for me that I was like, okay, now, now this is it. Just jangly, like jangly pop music that's highly emotional, but not in like the, the way that emo was emotional a couple of years prior. It was like, I don't know, vulnerability. And then like Christopher Owens was almost like kind of like effeminate in the way he talked about things. And I was like, this is kind of like refreshing. And it's unfortunate that the band only lasts two albums and one EP. Cause like I went and saw them twice and it was incredible. And you know, rest in peace. Well, on the, um, on the topic of kind of emo and, and punk and all this stuff, you've got uh, track 10 here, Falling in Love Again by Joyce Maynard. Yes, yes. So this is more recent. And um, so I guess kind of pivoting back to emo is I was really into emo, uh, but not the not the mall punk emo, you know, like your Fallout Boys and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I was kind of into like the Get Up Kids and Modest Mouse was actually considered emo back in the day. But um, like, so Get Up Kids, Page of the Lion, Elliot Smith, um, some people might shoot me for saying he's emo, but he's very emo to me. And <laughs> bright, early Bright Eyes was incredibly emo. Um, before he shifted in the alt folk, um, Dylan wannabe territory. But mm-hmm. um, so when I heard Joyce Manor, and it was great for me because <laughs> I actually just gone through a breakup. And I was like, what I used to do was I would go on like three or four mile walk just to kind of like clear my head and I put listen to music and I put that on and it was another one of those immediately like resonating like oh yes mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh I want to like you know fly on this song forever and it's unfortunate because the album's only 18 minutes long <laughs> so um <laughs> so you know one walk you can spin the whole record at least you know a dozen times um <laughs> right right but I, yeah so this was the first song i heard and like to me it's almost like it hits that like uh just the i don't know the dissonance and just there's only one verse he says twice <laughs> it's just like mm-hmm. it's like he liked that verse let's you know you know same as the first let's it's so nice let's repeat it and uh something about the lyrics are so pedestrian but they're also so cool like uh you know he says, after, you know, after finishing your birthday drugs, looked at a yearbook unprepared, you know, it's just kind of like, it's some, I love that line. Yeah, right. Cause I feel like that one is great. It's almost like everybody kind of had that one point in their life where they got fucked yes. up on their birthday. So. Right. Right. But, uh, it, well, and just the whole concept of like looking, opening a yearbook or really, you know, going back in time, like it's like going through photos or whatever. And then you are unprepared for kind of what you see, and it just throws you right back there. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I love that line a lot. I thought that was great. Yeah, and it's like this weird, like, I mean, yeah, that is a really personal experience. So every time I show somebody, like, pictures of me from high school, I'm like, you have to understand, I was a different person. <laughs> you know, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> but funny enough, uh, in one of my senior photos, I'm uh, wearing a Ben Quellen shirt. But um, Oh, that's great. And uh, another one I'm posing with my cat. <laughs> So. <laughs> okay yeah the full all right yeah. full one coverage for two. there one yeah. for two that's <laughs> right. not bad so, okay uh, but yeah and i feel like um i don't know it was so it was heavy in a heavy like in a, in a good way not like in heavy music but it's just like it kind of appealed to that like longing interest and emotions i had when i was younger and it kind of struck that chord because i was going through a break about the time and you know hit the aggressive level and the kind of I don't know. It's a perfect song. And this is another one of those bands. I've got all their records and still frequent, mm-hmm. but they're not my favorite records to like 
put on the turntable because I have to flip them five minutes later. <laughs> They're just really short. Um, so speaking of speaking of breakups, uh, track 11 here, Something by Julian Baker. I, I wrote down, she has a beautiful voice, but this is a really sad song. Oh, yeah. And it's not just that song. It's every Julian Baker song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, so... I, my car exploded on me coming back from Louisville, going to Nashville, and by exploded, I mean the engine just kind of gave up. So I had to like go mm-hmm. and um, go buy a new car, and it was away. It was kind of like I bought the car like at least an hour and a half away from Nashville because that's where I could find the deal that my parents set up for me. And on the way back, it was a Friday, and it, I don't know if they still do this, but Spotify used to just have like New Music Friday playlist, and I saw this cover. Uh, for Julian Baker and the cover was so bland it was just this girl with like a turquoise overlay on top of it and the album Mm -hmm. was also kind of a lame title it was called Sprained Ankle and I'm like what could this be (laughs) like what is this like she looked like she was 12 too I was like what is this child with a sprained ankle what is she gonna tell me (laughs) and like it was so immediate though the first song it was so sad and like I don't know if I mean, 2015, I must have been really sad because, like, it was like that album for for a solid three or four months was on repeat. And something about the song Something just, like, broke me every time I listened to it. But it was like a, it was like a good breaking. It was like watching a good sad movie or just like mm-hmm. and it's one of those songs I feel like everybody can relate to in some way, you know, just the kind of inter- yes. internal t- turmoil. <laughs> of like yeah, loving somebody I, and not being reciprocated. Exactly. I, it's funny because Matt, I have very similar notes to you. My opening notes here are like beautiful voice, gut wrenching story, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> like being told. Um, no, it was really, it's powerful. I think uh, I, I actually also wrote, if I go through a breakup again, which I really hope I don't need to, but this is going to make that mix. Like This is a really good oh, breakup yeah. song. <laughs> oh, then you should check out, there's a song called Everybody Does on the album. And like, okay. it's kind of more of one of her, like, it feels almost poppy, uh, but it's not. <laughs> but at the end, like, she's just talking shit about herself for like a good solid minute and a half. And then at the end, she's like, but you're going to run when you find out who I am. And then she's like, starts like yelling, you're going to run. It's all right. Everybody does. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, wow. And what's crazy is she's been really successful, um, like critically lauded. Like I saw her play the rhyme into a packed house. And I, I saw her, I've seen her three times. And the first time was at like the exit in, it was packed. And then I was like at the Ryman, which is called the mother church here. Or it's like, it's the yeah, venue to play. Yeah. And her new album came out recently and it's still sad. I'm like, it's <laughs> like somebody get this girl, like a cup of coffee and a hug. Cause like, she's like seen the world and has such great <laughs> success. Like I'm just ready for a Julian Baker right. album. That's kind of resting on her laurels a little bit, you know? Yeah. She needs to go to one of those Tony Robbins seminars, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but she's an artist that's, I think, really conflicted, you know, because she was a really, you know, she might still be, like, a huge Christian, and, like, she was also gay. And so that, like, conflict within her, it seems like it's constantly tearing her apart, and she was an addict at mm-hmm. a young age, and it's just like, girl, you wow, lived yeah, so rough. much life in such a short amount of time. I think she's, right. like, 23 now, or 24. That's oh, incredible. Wow. wow. Um, so last track here, speaking of, of singers that at least personally, I find giving me all the feels, um, you've got Naeem by Bonnie Vare. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so tell us uh, about this last track, Taking Us Home. Here. Okay. So Bon Iver I found in 2009, like everybody did, with Skinny Love. Uh, immediately, mm-hmm. uh, immediately, I was like, what is that? Uh, I need more of that. And it was funny because I was a huge fan of TV on the radio back in the day. And I always had this idea. I want to do like folk music with TV on the radio vocals. And then I heard skinny love and i was like oh that that was my idea well, he's like ma 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 you know like that <laughs> and i was like right well he took my idea because he had all the falsetto and the like you know the kind of low doo-wop vocals and i was like well mm-hmm. shit i can't do that idea anymore but i will listen to this guy do it and in that first <laughs> album it's like so different than everything else he ended up doing and i remember that being kind of disappointing to me where you know julian baker she kind of stayed in that realm but justin vernon was like you know what? i'm mm-hmm. gonna go explore like witch house and other things <laughs> so like um when it got to so uh his entire discography to me is equally just top tier like he hasn't done anything bad in my opinion but the first time i heard naeem uh was he did like somebody like a cell phone recording of him doing it live and it was like something he was still working through and it was like this piano version and even then, it had, like, the energy and just, like, transcendent quality where people were just, like, woo, like you know, hollering, like, yeah, <laughs> whatever that mm-hmm. was. And so I waited for two years to hear a studio version of that song. And I went to wow. a uh, record listening party at Grimey's, which is a local record shop here in Nashville. And it was a packed house and just so everybody could, like, get their first listen in of this record that came out a month later. And when that song came on, my body filled with like this strange like chill and warmth at the same time like almost like I wasn't ready to hear it like like oh my god here wow. we go. it's almost like being on a roller coaster like oh no 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 I wasn't ready <laughs> like and <laughs> I just like my heart rate elevated and I was like okay okay just hold it together <laughs> and because it was so much better than I could have ever imagined like like it just I think Anthony Fantano from the needle drop described it like this song is going somewhere, and wherever it's going, I want to take it. <laughs> like I'm going to go with it, and it does feel that way. It feels like it's constantly building, building mm-hmm. momentum, and kind of when it gets to the crescendo, it's like it's almost like I've had enough, and if because if I take any more, I'm never coming back. <laughs> and it finally it kind of falls into this like, you know, and I can see, I can see crying, and it's like then it's over, and you're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> like so you, look, you go back and listen again, and to me like. I don't even think the lyrics mean anything, like personally. I feel like um, I feel like Justin Vernon in his later career has just kind of been like, eh, whatever, here's some crap. You know, it's not really about anything. <laughs> like he's like, I fell off a bass boat. What does that mean? You know, what's a bass boat? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm having a bad Well, no, time. I was, I, I, I felt the same way. Like just musically, I was like, I was getting kind of fired up. Yeah. I was like, this is so good. Like just the, the buildup. And then when I dove into the lyrics, it was kind of the same reaction. Like, what am I? What am I reading here versus what I'm listening to? Yeah, I mean, I can, um, but I, I think it's a great song. Yeah, and I guess this sort of relates is that I also have a Bonnie Bear tattoo. <laughs> so, but it's the uh, wow it's, hat trick right, right there. That's great. <laughs> but it's from the album before, so I don't know if it counts. Um, it was from um, man, I'm escaping me right now, but <laughs> which is hilarious. But um, that's awesome. Yeah. So huge. Well, three tattoos off a twelve-song mix is going to be a tough mark to beat, well, but that is the mark. Yeah, it okay, definitely so helped future me guests, compile the playlist. So I was like, "Well, warned. this is on my body, so this must be important." To me. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good shortcut for making one definitely. of these. 
Perfect. Uh, well, thank you so much. That was, I mean, an amazing mix. And Samer and I, whenever we get these, we immediately like listen to it and then start texting each other about, you know, our thoughts on it. And um, we both were like, this is really good. <laughs> this well, thanks. Is, yeah. Man, we can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. So, yeah, great job. There were some great songs job. like I wanted to include instead and it just didn't fit the flow. So I had to like ax them and to be like, no, this is more important because it fits the flow. So that was my total intention. Perfect. All right. Well, Tony, tell the people out there where they can find you, whether it's on social media or whatever you're doing these days. Um, you know what? I'm not really big on social media. I have nothing to promote okay. anymore. I'm just okay. I'm very happy uh, just being normal dude in Nashville. Uh, I'm a graphic designer and freelance videographer and uh, just kind of enjoying like being not out and about. <laughs> so, um, yes. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. That's that. That's well, it. Good. Well, good. So well, don't follow me. Thank you for taking a break <laughs> from your uh, <laughs> from from your life to uh, to join us on the podcast. Yeah, here. thank you. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Um, Samer, uh, let's talk about uh, where the people can find us. Yes, they can find us at Super Awesome Mix on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the places. We're most active on Instagram, so give us a follow there if you want to stay up to date with the latest. Um, and you can also help support the show um, in numerous ways. We've got some awesome merchandise we're selling on superawesomemix.com. Um, all good things. So, yeah, check us out. Uh, tell your friends. Give us a review in, in the Apple Podcast app if you, that's how you listen. We really appreciate all those things. It helps us reach even more people um, to, uh, to you know enjoy the podcast. So that, thank you so much so far for all of your support and everything. That's right. Yes. Uh, without your support, we couldn't keep bringing on great guests like Tony. So there you have it. Another super awesome mix in the books. And so for Samer and Tony, um, this is Matt, and we will see you next time with yet another super awesome mix. Super Awesome Mix is brought to you by DLM. Make shopping easy with DLM, the one-stop shop for all your casual clothing needs. Shop DLMSupplyCode.com and enter the promo code AWESOME at checkout to save 15% off your first purchase. That's DLMSupplyCode.com.